All right, so today I'm excited to be talking about light. And the topic of today's podcast is alleviate seasonal affective disorder, sleep problems, ADHD, obesity, learning and focus struggles, depression, and anxiety with light. And so this podcast is going to be um, at the delivery of a compilation of excerpts from my book, Family Health Revolution, as well as Ken Cedar's information on his Science of Light website, with permission from Ken, of course. Um, but I won't be differentiating between, you know, what parts come from which source during this session because it's just going to be messy and interrupt the flow. So I'm just going to deliver it in one big chunk and uh, I hope you really enjoy it and get a lot from the information. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. All right, so we get to talk about light, and I am so excited to be talking about this today. Uh, because it is one of my favorite, I don't even know if I want to call it tools because it's just exists in nature, but knowing some of the, um, the details and, um, understanding what healthy light is and what unhealthy light is really gives us more of, um, an opportunity to not only experience light in our natural lives, but also use light as a tool, um, you know, toward our healing from so many different, um, I guess, you know, chronic uh, conditions. And so I, I think that the main ones that people are looking to uh, associate with light are seasonal affective disorder, sleep problems, ADHD, obesity, learning and focus struggles, depression, and anxiety. But that is only the very tip of the iceberg. So let's get into the details. All right, so the importance of light. And with chronic illness, dis ease, and I'm always going to say dis ease, um, as opposed to disease, dis ease, cognitive issues and mental and mood struggles currently rapidly replacing robust health and vitality. My mind goes to puzzling out the solutions by identifying and addressing the problems. As I always emphasize, those problems usually involve a toxicity of something that harms us or a deficiency in something essential that we need. Those essentials are always found in nature and our natural rhythms. And one of those essentials is a nutrient we call vitamin L, which is light. So as Albert Zent Gori, I was going to actually pronounce this properly. I even practiced. Um, Gorgi. <laughs> Zent Gorgi. I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry, Albert, if I have mispronounced it and butchered your name. But he is a chemist and Nobel laureate, and he asserts. A living cell requires energy not only for all its functions, but also for the maintenance of its structure. 
Without energy, life would be extinguished instantaneously, and the cellular fabric would collapse. The source of this energy is the sun's radiation. So additionally, you may be surprised to learn that light can be both toxic, contributing to the myriad of health conditions I mentioned and many more, and life-giving, preventing healing and vitalizing. In fact, your body is a combination of cells and chemicals that comes to life when only light, nature's electricity, is present. Sorry, I meant to say only when light, which is nature's electricity, is present. Now that's significant. Um, human metabolism is akin to plant photosynthesis. Okay, so we're like plants in that photosynthesis in plants is the conversion of light energy to chemical energy. And metabolism is the life-sustaining biochemical process of combining nutrients with oxygen to release the energy our bodies need to function and maintain life. So there's the science, okay? Light is essential to maintaining life itself. Without it, we don't live, okay? So this is how our cells communicate, is through photobiomodulation. Okay, so a little bit of that science, let's set that aside. So healthy light will benefit your family with, okay, let's see what these this list is, and it's a giant list, okay? So better cognition and academic performance, reduced stress, healthy weight and metabolism, prevention and improvement in diabetic states, reduction or elimination of seasonal affective disorder, sleep problems, ADHD, learning and focus struggles, depression and anxiety, conditions that are downstream from metabolic syndrome. So we want um, that these conditions are actually improved, right? So these include hypertension, heart disease, lipid problems, type 2 diabetes, dementia, PCOS, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, and cancer. Also, improvements in symptoms including appetite, energy, mood, sleep, and libido. Improvements in behavior and performance including better work habits, improvements in academic performance, resistance to fatigue, more and more positive attitudes. Improvements in computer vision syndrome, and there is such a syndrome, trust me, eyesight damage and macular degeneration, reduction in the effects of EMF exposure and its symptoms, including insomnia, headache and migraine, muscle and joint pain, depression, anxiety and irritability, short-term memory problems, nerve pain and eye pain, tingling and numbness. So that's quite a list and you can learn a little bit more about EMF exposure in, in different episodes that I've done of this podcast as well. All right, so how does it do this? How does healthy light do all of that? Okay, so let's move upstream. Okay, so it improves blood photobiomodulation, so the chemical, the the um, the communication between the cell, the cells in our blood and through our blood. It boosts the immune system. It ignites metabolism. It regulates the circadian rhythm. It affects the endocrine, which is the hormonal system, and neurochemical production. It counters non-natural EMF with natural EMF. And it counters unhealthy light with healthy light. So that's what it does. 
upstream to affect all the rest of those things downstream. Okay, so a few more facts about healthy light and cognition. So I'm going to throw a little few little facts at you to, I guess, sort of hit this point home or these points home. And you might be interested to know because cognition and brain fog and and um, cognitive decline are huge. And not only in um, our aging population, but also in our children, we're seeing a lot of that happening with our, our kiddos today. So According to an environmental health research study, the effect of sunlight exposure on cognitive function among depressed and non-depressed participants indicates that among the depressed participants, a dose-response relationship was found between sunlight exposure and cognitive function with lower levels of sunlight associated with impaired cognitive status. Wow. Lower levels of sunlight associated with impaired cognitive status. Okay, so here are a few more facts about healthy light and metabolic syndrome. Okay, so in a new study published in the journal Cell Reports, scientists found that fat cells deep in the skin can detect sunlight and not getting enough can increase the risk of metabolic disruption. The study shows that light exposure regulates how, to, or how two kinds of fat cells work together to produce the raw materials that all other cells are sorry yes all other cells use for energy. Once this fundamental metabolic process is disrupted, it can lead to an increased risk of developing an illness. The uh, study authors go on to say that disruptions to this fundamental metabolic process appear to reflect an unhealthy aspect of modern life, which is what? Spending too much time indoors. The modern lifestyle of people today limits the body's natural light exposure, which is from the sun. So more people are staying indoors, exposed to unnatural light spectra, being exposed to light at night, and staying indoors throughout the day. Many years ago, the father of full-spectrum light technology, Dr. John Ott, and I'm going to refer to him quite a bit in this session, he referred to this contemporary syndrome as malillumination. Now, we're going to return to that concept in, a, in just a couple of minutes, okay? So, our bodies evolved over the years under the sun's light, including developing light-sensing genes called opsins. But now we live so much of our days under artificial light, which does not provide the full spectrum of light we all get from the sun, says Richard Lang, developmental biologist and senior author of the study. So it does not, this indoor light does not provide the full spectrum of light we all get from the sun, okay? And according to Dr. Lang, so further, further to what he just said, in theory, light therapy could become a method for preventing metabolic syndrome from developing into diabetes. Replacing indoor lights with better full-spectrum lighting systems could also improve public health. So we're going to get to that in a little bit as well. So how we can use light as therapy. And so Dr. Fritz Albert Pop, International Institute of Biophysics, he says, we can now say emphatically that the function of our entire metabolism is dependent on light. So let's talk about a few more studies. So a study published in the Journal of Environmental Psychology investigated daylight exposure and its relation with vitality in everyday settings on an hour-to-hour -hour basis. The method consisted of experience sampling combined with continuous daylight measurement and a sleep diary during three consecutive days. 
Data collection was distributed over a full year. Okay, so it's quite a long study. Results reveal substantial inter and intra-individual in differences in hourly light exposure. The amount of light experienced was significantly related to vitality, indicating that persons who were exposed to more light experienced more vitality. Over and above the variance explained by personal characteristics, time of day, activity patterns, and sleep duration during the previous night. This relationship was more pronounced in the morning, during the darker months of the year, and when participants had experienced relatively low vitality during the previous hour. So overall, the results provide support for the acute effects of light exposure on feelings of vitality during the daytime, even in everyday life. While light exposure can never replace sleep, never, or, well, yeah, it can never replace sleep, it may produce a similar energy-boosting effect. Isn't that cool? Um, and I've had that happen. I'm going to tell you how uh, my experience with that in just a few minutes as well. It happens a lot uh, when I use my light therapy and I also get outside, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about malillumination that I had mentioned uh, just a few seconds ago and light deficiency. So the shift to an indoor lifestyle over the years has contributed to a serious uptick of body and mind dis-ease. Ideally, everyone should properly regulate their daily exposure to natural light, managing the time spent inside and out to naturally enhance immunity and reduce the risk of disease, right? Being stuck in biological darkness due to reduced time and appropriate natural light that our genes are pre-programmed to respond to, this is natural, right? Our genes are programmed to respond to light. This lack of light profoundly affects every body system, which is why healthy light improves all those things I mentioned at the beginning of this session. <clears throat> So modern humans and developed nations do not spend enough time in full spectrum sunlight that augments immunity and unwittingly spend most of, time, most of their time indoors under unhealthy, limited spectrum light that adversely impacts immunity. Now get that. So light improves our immune system function. And then what happens with that? We feel we're more healthy more of the time. We are less susceptible to states of disease and infection, etc. So most indoor lighting and devices such as video screens are actually detrimental to this light loop. They do not supply the correct wavelengths of light that are essential to naturally regulate brain chemistry. Brain chemistry, everybody, right? What makes us happy, sad, frustrated, agitated, calm, peaceful, um, you know, anxious, not anxious, you know, all that stuff, depressed. It helps us to naturally regulate brain chemistry and often have Phyo, uh, sort of, sorry, photobiotic, photobiotic qualities that tend to compromise immunity. All right, so a couple of quotes by John Ott. Malillumination is to light as malnutrition is to food. And he also says that we have finally learned that light is a nutrient, much like food. Like, and like food, the wrong kind can make us ill and the right kind can help keep us well. Since the beginning of natural, or sorry, human history, people have lived, worked, and played outdoors during the light of day, active and vibrant, absorbing the full spectrum of light energy photons from the sky. So the, the full spectrum of light energy photons from the sky, okay? An average of 10 hours each day, seven hours weekly, was common for eons. 
but in less than a mere 200 years, millions of people have unwittingly become contemporary cave dwellers, right? Isn't that an interesting way to put it? Contemporary cave dwellers living and working indoors. Malillumination is brought about by limiting our daily intake of full-spectrum daylight and supplementing it with too much artificial limited-spectrum indoor light, especially blue light at night, and that's a big concern, blue light at night, and by shielding ourselves from the sun with such things as tinted windows, windshields, sunglasses, and suntan lotions. So John, or sorry, yeah, Dr. John Ott also says that we are all light deficient and this may be the source of our physical and emotional problems. So like malnutrition, malillumination causes deficiencies by depriving us of the sun's vital energetic nutrient wavelengths. So it deprives us of the sun's vital energetic nutrient wavelengths, which enter the body through the skin and eyes. Sunlight striking the skin manufactures natural vitamin D, while light entering the eyes regulates vital circadian rhythms that control appetite, energy, mood, sleep, libido, and other body-mind functions. Every metabolic process, every enzyme reaction, muscular movements, the digestion of food, and the burning of fat are all biological processes that are augmented by sunlight energy. Wow. (laughs) A reduction of natural light energy causes a slowdown in these processes that leads to decreased metabolism, reduced burning of fat, reduced vitality, and compromised immunity, as I've said before. So the immune, or so the, sorry, the human body functions much like a green plant, right? Collecting energy from the atmosphere. The nervous system may be described as a network of electrical wires which conduct photons of light energy. Light energy is collected by the skin and the eyes, converted into photocurrent and channeled throughout the entire nervous system. This photocurrent is then distributed to the internal organs and cells via the individual nerves. In addition to activating sight in the visual cortex, photocurrent also travels to the brain's main control center, the hypothalamus. Informed by photocurrent, the hypothalamus then helps regulate brain chemistry, essential hormones, and circadian rhythms, which we're going to talk about in just a second, more about the circadian rhythm. All right, massive, so cool. I love how the body works and just by getting light. <laughs> so here's a little little tidbit on light hygiene, okay? Ideally, everyone should properly regulate their essential exposure to daily natural light, managing the time they spend inside and out, staying in perfect cadence with their body's required rhythm of light and natural vitality for optimal wellness and reduced, reduced risk of disease. So, and this is going to strengthen your immune system, right? Like I said, aid better sleep, lift your mood, and so much more. So unfortunately, emphasis on personal hygiene has overlooked the need for daily light hygiene required to regulate brain chemistry and circadian rhythms that control all of those things. So although we understand, okay, yes, we need to eat well, we need to exercise, we need to Um, you know, get, drink lots of water and, you know, do all these lifestyle hacks to keep us healthy and, you know, um, and, and, you know, practice hygiene in all different kinds of ways. We miss the fact that there is such a thing as light hygiene and to pay attention to that. 
And another really nice quote by Dr. John Ott, he says that we are all light deficient and this deficiency may be the source of our physical and emotional problems. Okay, so let's unpack the circadian rhythm, which is tightly, uh, it, which is <laughs> basically, I mean, I'm just like, okay, let's just unpack that. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna deliver this right now without introducing it, all right? So we humans love light. When the sun is shining, we are our happiest and most energized. Think about that feeling you get when it's gray, chilly, and the sun shines through the clouds and warms your face. What happens? Instant smile, of course, instant smile. That sun just basking, what, what's that, that, that phrase, turn of phrase, basking in the sun. Um, when D Deepak Chopra, who is a spiritual coach you know, an Ayurvedic doctor and quantum physics enthusiast, is what I'm gonna call him, says we are beings of light, this isn't only a metaphor, but a scientific truth. The body responds strongly to the rhythms of light and dark. When the sun comes up, signals are sent throughout the body via hormones telling us to get out of bed. Rest time is over and it's time to live another day. At this signaling, our adrenals pump out cortisol. The rise in this hormone gets us moving in the morning, then slowly decreases throughout the day until it's at the lowest level before bed, signaling it's time to sleep. Or at least, this is what should naturally happen, okay? So as we know, <laughs> malillumination and um, healthy light deprivation disrupt this system. So in the evening, the warning light signals that rest time is, is near, or sorry, the waning light. <laughs> That's so funny. In the evening, the waning light signals that rest time is, is near, and the body needs to start preparing for sleep where it can rest and repair any damage caused throughout the day. It's at this time when you're not meant to push through with a few more hours of work at the computer or start a heavy exercise routine, but instead, when, when you're meant to wind down, check in with yourself and give your mind and body a chance to recover from the busyness of the day. Yet today, people don't operate under these natural rhythms, throwing off our biological clocks and two of the ways we have disrupted our essential biologic, biological rhythms are how? By malillumination and light deficiency. So let's go a little more into sleep and detoxification because again, all of these things are related. So sleep, light, circadian rhythm, and then detoxification, which is essential to keep our bodies healthy. Um, so while you sleep, there are some very important processes taking place. In the brain, there's a glymphatic system, which is the lymphatic system that drains debris out of the brain, okay? So this process happens only while you sleep. The pineal gland in your brain largely regulates the sleep-wake cycle by producing the hormone melatonin while you sleep, which is a master antioxidant that gets rid of free radicals that age your cells, and an important, it's an important detoxifier. During the nocturnal hours, our organs and tissues heal and regenerate while preparing our bodies for the next day ahead. And in the morning, the cycle starts over. So this is called the circadian rhythm. As I said, sleep plays a major role in the process of detoxification. And researchers, uh, sorry, I'm just fixing a little, uh, <laughs> a mistake in my, uh, my text. So researcher Macon Nedregard, um, co-director of the University of Rochester Medical Center's Center for Translational Neuromedicine reports, in fact, 
The restorative nature of sleep appears to be the result of the active clearance of the byproducts of neural activity that accumulate during wakefulness. The study, which was published in October 17, 2013, in the journal of science, the journal, sorry, science, it's just called science, reveals that the brain's unique method of waste removal, dubbed the glymphatic system, is highly active during sleep, clearing away toxins responsible for Alzheimer's disease and other neurological disorders. Furthermore, the researchers found that during sleep, the brain cells reduce in size, allowing the waste to be removed more effectively. So they shrink and push all those toxins out of the brain, right? Like a dirty rag. (laughs) In cases where toxicity is a major contributor to health challenges and disease, the role of sleep becomes even greater. When the body can't detoxify, the total toxic load is greater, making everyone who doesn't get a good night's sleep on a regular basis more susceptible to disease. I talk about that a lot in a lot of the podcasts um, that I that I put out. So toxicity, major contributing to, contributor to all manner of chronic and um, even acute disease and illness. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about sleep in relation to sleep disorders. So in the summary of the chapter, um, Extent and Health Consequences of Chronic Sleep Loss and Sleep Disorders of the book Sleep Disorders and Sleep Deprivation, um, the editors write, it is estimated that 50 to 70 million Americans chronically suffer from a disorder of sleep and wakefulness hindering daily functioning and adversely affecting health and longevity. There are around 90 distinct sleep disorders. Most are marked by one of these symptoms. Excessive daytime sleepiness, difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep, and abnormal events occurring during sleep. The cumulative long-term effects of sleep loss and sleep disorders have been associated with a wide range of deleterious health consequences, including an increased risk of hypertension, diabetes, obesity, depression, heart attack, and stroke. After decades of research, the case can be consistently made that sleep loss and sleep disorders have profound and widespread effects on human health. They also report the most common sleep conditions are sleep loss, sleep disorder, sorry, sleep disordered breathing, insomnia, narcolepsy, restless leg syndrome, parasomnias, sleep-related psychiatric disorders, sleep-related neurological disorders, sleep-related medical disorders, and circadian rhythm sleep disorders. Wow. So um, I'm going to finish what I'm saying about that, and I'm going to tie this back into light in just a second. Each of these sleep disorders disrupts the sleep-wake cycle or is the result of a disrupted sleep-wake cycle, right? So much of the body's healing takes place while you rest and sleep. As I said, this is when that happens. And so it's important to respect this rhythm. In fact, when you get a long sleep in a dark room, the body's metabolism changes and important hormonal and chemical processes take place. Among a myriad of health benefits, a good night's sleep alone helps the body maintain a healthy weight. Okay, so the light, light, healthy light is at the control switch of all of that. So when I say going upstream, light is what is controlling all of those processes. All right, so get good sleep and then you alleviate those symptoms, or not get good sleep, you get good light, and then you alleviate those symptoms because you have the proper biochemical natural rhythms 
um, taking place. Cool. All right, so respecting nature's sleep rhythms. So respecting the natural circadian rhythm was much easier to do when all we had for light after dark was flickering um, candlelight or firelight or lanterns, right? Now, however, innovation has allowed us to extend our days indefinitely by way of artificial light. If we want it to be day, we can just flick on a switch and voila, there is the sun. These inventions have been excellent indeed, as the benefits are great and many. However, because we use artificial light so readily and sometimes all night long, the excess can become a source of toxicity. Like, if we think about it that way, then it's sort of like it's easier to, to grasp. It's a source of toxicity. There are blue lights from appliances or devices like computers, phones, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Street lights pouring in through windows, night lights, um, lights from neighbors or shops. If you're anywhere but out in the boonies, you'll be exposed to light pollution at all times unless you draw the shades, turn off the lights and unplug the appliances. When there's no longer a time of day when the only light comes from uh, firelight or moonlight, one can never truly rest or sleep deeply. Again, this lack of rest and repair is a massive stressor on the body and causes a host of residual health problems ranging from being unpleasant to be around to being incapable of making rational, clear decisions and to all of those physical conditions that I've mentioned already. So the public health consequences of sleep loss and sleep-related disorders are far from benign. The most visible consequences are errors in judgment contributing to disastrous events. Um, less visible consequences of sleep conditions are far more prevalent and they take a toll on nearly every key indicator of public health. So like mortality, morbidity, performance, accidents and injuries, functioning and quality of life, family well-being and healthcare utilization. Some of these consequences such as automobile crashes occur acutely within hours or even minutes of the sleep disorder and thus are relatively easy to link to sleep problems. Others, for example, obesity and hypertension develop more insidiously over months and years of chronic sleep problems. After decades of research, the case can be consistently made that sleep loss and sleep disorders have profound and widespread effects on human health. Wow. Okay, so sleep deprivation or disruption leads to chronic illness, perpetuates chronic illness, and weakens your immune system while damaging relationships and the ability for both adults and children to think clearly and be productive. It's very difficult to be the employee, entrepreneur, friend, partner, or parent you want to be under those circumstances. It's even more difficult for children to feel productive, cooperative, and receptive as well. This inability to function can have a massive impact on everyday life and recovery from illness, especially if the sleep deprivation is chronic. All right, so a few thoughts about light pollution and sleep hygiene. We're just going to return to that for a second. So light pollution or malillumination aren't things we think much about, <clears throat> or at least not before you listen to this. <laughs> We're used to flicking, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> We're used to flicking on lights and it can appear to be extreme to switch to amber lighting or no lighting at all when the sun goes down or to turn off electronics two hours before bed or to fumble around in the dark to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But if you think about how you're designed and how very precise and miraculous 
is the relationship between the body, the natural environment, and the rhythms of nature, these practices become logical and the quote-unquote natural thing to do. So in order to reduce light pollution, there are many things that can be done, many of them quite simple. All right, so ideally, it's best to turn off all electronics one to two hours before bed. The blue light, they admit, signals the body that it's time to be awake. But if you, if you must use a computer after the sun has gone down, you can install a free program like Flux, so it's F.LUX, onto your computer, which changes the light on your computer from blue to amber after dusk. You can also purchase amber glasses to wear inside the house or in front of the television or computer. Practice good sleep hygiene, install blackout shades in your bedrooms, and at night, uh, use curtains in your other living spaces to block artificial light from coming in from outside. This will, will enable your body to produce melatonin, a master antioxidant and hormone, at night. Next thing you can do is turn down the dash lights in your car if you have to drive after dark. It's It'll lessen fatigue or reduce fatigue and give your eyes and brain a break. Like, don't you ever feel like, wow, this is actually hurting my brain. <laughs> I literally think that <laughs> when, I, when I'm exposed to bright lights at night. Unplug the night lights or use amber night lights. Okay, so get your children used to sleeping in the dark. Leave the light off when you have to get up for a late night trip to the bathroom. Try to live like our ancestors did. If you have a fireplace or wood stove, ideally this should be the only light you use after dark. Amber light bulbs are the closest thing to red light, or sorry, to firelight we can use. Use as few lights as possible after dark, and if you must use artificial light, use low level lamps and not bright overhead lighting. At night, turn off the sun. If you're finding it too much to be in a bright space after dark, and when you and your children and or your children are feeling like you just need a rest and need time for darkness, just leave. Make adjustments to your life and how you schedule it. If you like to be or have to be out after dark and, and spaces where you can feel more relaxed, so go to quieter restaurants. So seek out these spaces where you feel more relaxed in dimly lit places or quiet places. Plan your big activities to take place during the day and your more relaxed activities to take place at night. When it's day, open the curtains wide, get outside, forget the light switches, and soak up the natural light of the sun. Get your body producing that vitamin D to help alleviate mood disorders and allow your natural process of sleeping and waking to generate the most energy possible. It's the natural light, not the artificial light you need in order to sidestep depression, reduce stress, lose weight, combat chronic illness, and get your body moving every day. So use full spectrum light bulbs if you need extra light indoors during the day. Okay, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. So children are unpredictable. They get sick in the middle of the night. Nursing babies eat around the clock. And teenagers want to be up late either staying out past their curfews or wanting to talk and connect with you and or their friends into the night. And chronically ill children don't always sleep well either. And so, and, they, and many demands are placed on parents day and night. Parents have a real challenge here. So this is where you do what you can and when you get your children on a natural sleep schedule, you'll more likely sleep better most of the time as well. So again, healthy light and um, avoid mal-illumination. So there are other causes of sleep problems which we will explore extensively in other sessions. So things like hormonal imbalance, 
blood sugar dysregulation, infections of parasites, yeast, viruses, bacteria, mold, and other irritants, heavy metal toxicity, chemical toxicity, neurochemical, which are brain chemical imbalances, high stress levels, food sensitivity, circadian rhythm dysregulation, pineal gland calcification, nutritional and mineral deficiencies, methylation problems, detoxification, or the need to detoxify, right? A struggling liver or kidneys. And all of this, though, again, can be addressed with healthy light and avoiding malillumination, okay? Um, All right, so taking a breath and just fixing an error there. All right, so overcoming sleep problems with light. And I would say all kinds of other health problems with light. No electronics in the room before bed. No heavy exercise before bed. Uh, Turn down the lights before bed, right? Have a warm Epsom salt bath. Don't eat too close to bedtime. Chill and wind down in the evening. Sleep in a dark, cool room. Respect nature's rhythms. Keep the bedroom clutter free. And so I'm going to skip ahead to talking about light therapy because um, we can't always get all the light we need uh, because, again, we are we tend to be cave dwellers and sometimes we can't necessarily move your entire office outside under the sun. So light therapy or phototherapy are also referred to as heliotherapy, consists of exposure to full spectrum daylight or to specific wavelengths of light. The light is administered for a prescribed amount of time and in some cases a specific time of day. Until the early 1930s, light therapy was considered an effective and mainstream medical therapy. So what happened? <laughs> a common use of light therapy that strikes the retina of the eyes is used to, uh, used to treat circadian rhythm disorders and can also be used to treat seasonal affective disorder. We know this already. I already mentioned this. As well as some non-seasonal psychiatric disorders, including major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, and postpartum depression. Additionally, the term is associated with the treatment of skin disorders and beauty procedures, interestingly. So light therapy is preferred over antidepressants because it is a relatively safe and easy therapy, right? Easy, safe, right at the fingertip or fingertips. The effectiveness of light therapy for treating SAD, seasonal affective disorder, is linked to the fact that light therapy makes up for lost sunlight exposure and resets the body's internal clock. Right? That circadian rhythm we've been talking about. Studies show that light therapy redu- helps reduce the debilitating and depressive behaviors of SAD, such as excessive sleeplessness and fatigue. And again, all of those things that I had mentioned at the very beginning. So, you know, ADHD, learning and focus dist- uh, struggles as well. So lots of different um, mental health issues as well as those physical chronic conditions as well. So... I want to talk just to end this session, and I kind of went longer than I wanted to. I should have actually split this into two, one talking about light and the other talking about sleep, but hey, (laughs) done and done. (laughs) So I just want to talk about our favorite light therapy device. (laughs) I just love it. I don't, I'm not always using devices. I like to have them when necessary. Um, I like to use the natural processes, you know, lifestyle hacks, all those things that are free and easy and and really just changing the way we live and move in the world. Um, But 
I do love certain devices that are really useful and can be a pretty close second to the real deal when we need them. So again, to use tools when we need them. So for many years now, my good friend, uh, his name's Ken Cedar at the Science of Light, has been tirelessly working to get healthy lighting into our children's schools and family homes to dramatically improve health and well-being. And Ken and I started talking when he was trying to get these lights, full spectrum lights, into schools. So he w- he had this initiative, and they really did their best and tried to to get this rocking. <clears throat> And uh, Ken and I have had numerous conversations over the years about this exciting initiative. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And now he has fully produced a tool that can counteract, right, malillumination and give us all a good dose of the most basic and simple and overlooked nutrient. What's that? Vitamin L. Okay, so he has come up with this device and I have one and it sits on my desk and it moves around our house with everybody who uses it. No joke. So Ken informs us that light entering your eyes, right? So like I talked about just a few minutes ago, does all the things we have talked about here. So let's recap that. Improves blood photobiomodulation. It boosts the immune system, ignites metabolism, regulates the circadian rhythm, affects the endocrine, which is the hormonal system and neurochemical production, counters non-natural EMF with natural EMF, counters unhealthy light with healthy light, okay? And it does all of that by modulating your blood as it flows through your eyes every two hours. So as Ken explains, our eyes are an external component of your brain. So cool and very true. And they're one of the most sensitive organs in the body, right? The eyes. So how is, and this is, so his light therapy system is called SOL, S-O-L, so that stands for Science of Light, SOL, S-O-L, photovites. So get, you know, vitamins from light, right? Soul photovites. And I want to just talk a little bit about why it's different because I don't want to say, hey, go use light therapy and you use one that's actually damaging to your eyes, um, thinking that it's, you know, 25 bucks, a good good price, and uh, you're not going to get the same thing. So I just want to make sure that I'm very clear about that because I want, if you are using light therapy, I want it to work. I want it to work for you and not do any damage, but to just be pure vitamin L. <laughs> okay, so the Soul Photovites is powered by Soul Shine Photo Nutrition. And so Soul Shine technology builds on the pioneering research of the father of full spectrum light technology, Dr. John Ott, who has been quoted quite extensively throughout this, this talk. Um, Soul light intrinsically improves the spectral quality of biological benefits by adding 98, which is like in quotation marks, CRI R9 red, so which is color rendering index, it's a color rendering index, and a broad wavelength band of essential near infrared light. So it uses NIR, infrared light, okay? So near NIR and red light helps reduce the risk of retinal inflammation by priming the cells in the retina for repair and regeneration. So we're protecting our eyes by using this type of light, okay? Near is, a, is critical to the production of ATP, right? So that is the fuel our cells need for metabolism and all vital functions. CRIR 
R9, sorry, CRI R9 red, so this, this actual red light is a very important metric because many light sources will be lacking in red content, but this fact will be hidden due to the averaging out of CRI ca calculations, which do not include R9. Okay, just hang in there with me. Hang in with me. I'll tell you what this all means in just a second. So why choose balanced nutritional light over common light therapy? Okay, so the soul photovites helps regulate your brain chemistry and circadian rhythms that control mood, appetite, energy, sleep, and other body-mind functions. Soul photovites are akin to vitamins that are required for normal cell function, growth, and development. And soul photovites provide photonutrients that ignite and support optimal metabolic functioning because it uses the particular combination of light that the, the cells need, right? So this is the proper light and that reduces risk of any sort of retinal inflammation. It actually is healing for the eyes, okay? That's what that's all saying. So we use, we, my family, okay? So we use our soul photovites every single day. And since a few in our household spend too much time indoors, like I write, my daughter's a writer. I mean, I what am I doing here? I'm inside. I'm not outside and it's actually snowing and blowing snow outside. So I'm not outside right now. In front of, I'm in front of my computer speaking to you. And um, our winters are long and they're often frigidly cold, like grossly cold. And our days are pretty short, you know, like at a certain time of year. So our, our system, like the soul photovites that we have, our light has rapidly become part of our daily healthcare routine. Like we use it every day. And at first, like really, if you turn on and go, wow, that's like the God light. Like it's like so bright, but you, you have to tilt it and you know, you get it where it's comfortable from the side. And at first I had to get used to it. I had to get used to the brightness. I thought, seriously, I'm going to use this. And I actually use it now when I write, I use it. I actually, and then when it turns off, I turn it back on because I miss it. Like, <laughs> so you really get used to it and it becomes something that's like nourishing for you and you feel it healing and actually energizing you. Like I literally have tons more energy since I've been using it. Tons. And it's just because it, it acts like that. Like what I mentioned before um, in this session, it acts like a little, like a jolt to your energy when you use it at the right time of day. You don't want to be using this bright light and then at night. What you use is the infrared, like the red light. Sorry, not the infrared, the red light. It has an option for that. You switch over to the red light um, at, you know, later times of during the day, right? You don't use the bright one because you want to make sure that that circadian rhythm is stimulated properly and at the right time. So I always want more. So it, and no, it's not the sun and we need to get outside as much as we can, but it's certainly a close second for me. <laughs> so in the show notes, I'm actually going to give you a link to the science of light website where you can check it out. And I do have a coupon code so that you can get $50 off because Ken and his team, like Ken is just the most generous person, one of the most generous people I've ever met. And he, he like he's doing this because he loves this. Like it, this is out of his heart, this whole um, initiative. And I, I uh, salute him and commend him because it's really going to save people a lot of hurt <laughs> to be able to have a tool like this. So Ken, my hat's off to you and thank you so much and, and his generosity. So that's just an aside. He, nobody asked me to say that. It's just truly pouring from my heart to a really good friend. All right. So, so to sum up, 
Light can be unhealthy in the case of malillumination, and the lack of light can also be de detrimental to health. The proper light at the right time of day is an essential nutrient and one of the easiest and most comprehensive ways of improving any number, number of health conditions, leading to fuller, richer, more robust health for the whole family. So um, yeah, consider light and, um, and may your day be illuminated today. Thank you.